Hi everyone and welcome to ABC's of Anesthesia and I'm Lahiru. My name is Cass. And again, today we're going to go through some interview style practice and questions. So today's episode, we're going to go through situational questions. So really these are, tell us about a time this happened. Now remember, learning this probably very early on in my medical training, uh, you know, why would you want to learn how to talk about a situation? Remember Googling interview skills or something and this thing came out, which was the STAR approach. And as I read this, I was like, whoa, this is revolutionary. Yeah. And it's, it, you know, it's, it's very well known now. Um, you know, situation, task, action, and result. Mm. And I think one of those reasons why people went to this approach of asking about situations is that if you ask someone just about your strengths, you can just say, rattle off a couple of words, mm. uh, but it does, doesn't really mean that it's necessarily true. Uh, but if you ask someone to color in a whole situation, it's very, very difficult to lie about that. Um, to, uh, you know, all you have to do is probe a little bit and then it falls apart if it's not a real authentic situation. Mm. Um, so yeah, so I think the star approach, which is situation, task, action, or result is a great way to frame any of these situational questions or the PAR approach which is just a, you know, a, a different way of saying, it, which is problem action result. Mm. Um, and I was really actually happy because just now, uh, Kaz has actually told me about the scar approach. <laughs> it's just uh, building on that, really. So the um, SCAR approach um, kind of builds on that idea. So it's a situation um, and you talk about C, which is the complexity in the situation, and then A, which is the action, and then R, which is the result, and then another R, which is actually reflection, which I think is a really important part of answering this sort of question. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. so what's the So the aim of this is, if you have, you know, obviously a scenario is very complicated. A situation can be very complicated, especially when it's medical. You want to be able to get these points out succinctly. So this is the framework to say, to, to make sure that you're snappy, you're sharp, and you don't go on. Like the interview is going to be really short and you want to get as much information across about how you did in that situation. Mm-hmm. So they might have a few situational questions. You don't want to be stuck on the first one talking about random stuff that doesn't pertain to the problem itself or the situation. Exactly. And and the, and the trouble with these sorts of questions is I think um, if you haven't practiced telling stories or if you haven't practiced thinking about the situations, mm-hmm. um, you often spend a lot of your time talking about the S, mm-hmm. which is the situation. And with a lot of extraneous details, which um, really just come to mind and, and you know, it, it really doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, what the patient's, you know, like blood pressure was or specific yeah. details about the situation. What really matters is set the scene, S, situation. Mm-hmm. Then what they really want to know is the C, which is, or, or T, the complexity or the yes. task. And and that's where I think you go, well, this situation was made more complicated by the fact that it's A, B, C. Yep. And that's showing the depth of the complexity. The action, I would almost say, matters a bit less as well. Mm-hmm. And then I think when it really comes down to is the R, the reflection. Yeah, um, how did you process that? What did you learn from it? What will you do differently? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think if you can cover all those points in your answer in, you know, what, like three and a half minutes, mm-hmm. I think that is a phenomenal answer. Yeah, good. And so one of the, one of the examples I often give, especially um, th- this is probably a generic example for most junior doctors at some stage. You know, the situation was I was working in a small peripheral hospital um, and someone came in with a non-STEMI. Um, this complex because it was a small hospital. I was inexperienced as an intern or a junior doctor and there weren't that much many experienced staff. So I've mentioned the word situation. I've mentioned the word complexity. The action I took was did I, I pretty much did what I knew how to do and sought help and sought transfer. So I kind of outlined three things that I've done, which is, you know, give morphine, oxygen, nitrous, aspirin, uh, do my, you know, deteriorating patient assessment and optimize. I call for cardiology, re, re, uh, re, um, 
I call for a cardiology referral and then I find out how to transfer this patient urgently to a, a cath lab center or cardiology center. Uh, the result was that the patient survived, did well, they, you know, they had whatever intervention that they had. And then here, my reflection, my reflection was, I was, you know, I was really pleased with how I did because it was pretty much just using the frameworks I'd been taught through medical school, through my um, supervisors training me in that, in that process and getting the result that I wanted, mm. you know, in a slightly difficult environment. Yeah. Yeah, And then I guess, you know, if you want to take that reflection to another level, you can really go, well, you know, on reflecting, I was a junior staff member in a difficult situation in mm. a poorly resourced hospital. Yep. So one of the things that you could do is escalate that to your seniors and really talk about resourcing that department better or furthering your mm. education so you're more able to um, handle that situation. But it sounds like you did that no, that's fantastically good. well. So it's about really thinking about systems <laughs> level st- stuff as well because we want yeah. big thinkers. I, I do like that actually. Because, uh, a lot of the time when problems happen, so, like say you take it to the level of risk man or an M&M or you know, morbidity and mortality meeting, a lot of the time the things that come out of that is, oh, well, that's a problem. We don't want someone else to have that problem. Exactly. Let's fix that. So, yeah, I do like that, raising that to the next level of uh, improving the system. Mm. That's really good. Mm. So uh, give us an example. So li- literally a situation can be any question um, and any person attribute as well. So mm. almost anything can be framed as a situational question. But do you want to give us some examples to run through? Yeah, so um, I guess, you know, very common examples that we see with this is tell us about a time where you had conflict with a colleague. Mm-hmm. Tell us about a time when you were in a difficult decision, sorry, a difficult situation, or you had to make a difficult decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you could bring in other attributes and other questions we're going to talk about. So tell us about, about a time you displayed good leadership, good followership, or tell us about a time you worked in a team that worked well or a team that worked poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, so really you can bring in anything. And I think, um, as, as Lehru was saying, it's really about thinking about what characteristics you want to portray mm-hmm. um, and what characteristics you think um, are suitable for the job and then portraying them through these examples. Yeah. No, I remember preparing a few things. So I remember preparing, you know, like, you know, as a junior doctor, I had far less situations, mm-hmm. but I tried to remember a few tricky situations where things had happened. But I, I also tried to, like, say I only had five situations each one of those could potentially have something that showed leadership and conflict and, you know, difficult decisions. So the ability for me to, especially as a junior, having less scenarios that we're worth talking about, but being able to, you know, extract interesting things was, was useful. So I remember having my scenarios, knowing how to talk about them and then having a little point say, this is team, this is leader, this is conflict um, and whatever it is. <laughs> and I think it is really good having one example that you can cover multiple areas in because it just makes it so much easier. You have one mm-hmm. good juicy story that you fleshed out, that you've identified the complexities and the challenges and you can cover many things that just makes it so much easier on the day. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have that, that's okay. I think I had about five stories memorized, um, or not well, practice, should I say, um, for a whole host of different things. And funnily enough, the story I used in my interview was when I hadn't practiced. Oh, really? <laughs> because it just worked better for the thing, and, and I think it landed well. Um, it's really hard to know. Hey, you got onto the program. So I must have something right. <laughs> That's right. In spite of that horrible, unprepared answer. Yeah. Should so, they be giving interview advice? Yeah, maybe, uh, in spite of your poor performance at the interview, yeah. Kaz, we uh, <laughs> encourage you to, <laughs> we, we accepted you on the training yeah. program. Um, okay, so now what happens if you, you know, ask a situation that you genuinely don't have a situation that you can remember or recall? What do you do? Yeah, look, that's really challenging. I think um, one thing you can do is to take a minute, take a breath, try to think of something, try to find something that could loosely fit that idea. 
but I think what you're alluding to and then what I think you should prepare to do is say, mm-hmm. look, I can't really think of an example mm-hmm. where I portrayed this, but a similar experience was, mm-hmm. or you can go, but the way I would respond to this situation mm-hmm. is by considering the complexities in the situation. So, mm-hmm. you know, AB who's involved, um, uh, with the patient safety factors and with the institutional systemic factors. Mm-hmm. And this is what my response would have been. Yeah. I think that's a good save, but I um, I still don't think it's it's as good as having a story. So what you're saying is you really, you, you should try to hit these, there's a few essentials, the conflict resolution, difficult situation or difficult decision, leader, follower, team member, when were you criticized, when, you did, when did you do well, when did you do poorly, a colleague not pulling their weight, colleague not coping, or you're not coping. These are a few kind of basics, um, and we'll probably put a whole list in the in the show notes mm. uh, to kind of go through. But you know, it's probably it's probably something that you really need to think about is what you're saying. Yeah, and by this point, when you're applying for a training program, um, you know, assuming you're kind of PGY four plus, it might be different applying for pediatrics and you're just in your internship. Mm. You'll have lots of stories, and I think the closer you are to finishing med school, the more you can rely on non-clinical stories. Yes. Um, so even in my Quick care interview. I talked about um, experiences I had in my medical society, um, kind of conferences I was involved in, and that was all still very relevant. And no one really bats an eye when that's your experience. Mm. Um, and obviously, for the anesthetic program, I'd had four, you know, yeah, three years of experience, and I had so much more to draw from. Yeah. And I drift, definitely, definitely drew from that. So I think think widely, think broadly. I think it's okay to talk about stuff outside of your medical or your professional self. Mm-hmm. Um, if you really have to, if it's a really good story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think the more senior you get, the more you should probably have a clinical slant. Yeah, absolutely. So let's say you just can't seem to think of the story on the fly. Try to give a hypothetical because that may be relevant. Like, you know, I don't have a situation, but I can imagine that these would be, this would be the situation. This would be the complexity. I would do this action. Yeah. And this, this, I hope this would be the result and you know, potentially how to reflect on this. Yeah. Uh, and that's a good, reasonable answer. I don't think anyone could fault you for that. It just lacks the oomph. <laughs> yeah. But but then if you do have something outside work, that's probably a good save as well. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah, good. yeah. So, uh, yeah, something I, yeah, again, as an intern, as a junior doctor, I felt like I was just struggling for these stories. Like, you know, when really was I a leader? Mm. Like, you know, beyond the sporting teams I was in or whatever. Uh, so, you know, bank these things away. Like, by the time you get to your junior reg jobs, your senior reg jobs, your consultant jobs, if you've just kind of tucked these interesting cases away, uh, I've got a folder in my on my computer, uh, which is all the disasters that have ever happened. Um, That's very depressing, Lahiru. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's part of, um, you know, it's it's coded, it's... it's yeah, it's how you it's, met, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's something that I think a lot of anesthetists have. Interesting. Uh, yeah, so and it, it, a folder of all the, all the bad stuff that's happened because you want to keep it for indemnity reasons as well. Interesting. Um, but I also have another uh, file from, from interview practice, which was all the, you know, really interesting things that have happened. Mm-hmm. So these kind of two, two, two folders will slowly build up over time. It's just what happens. And hopefully you'll, you know, you'll be able to extract so much interesting uh, things for these interviews and, and stuff that really, really affected you. Mm. Yeah. And this, and these sort of, um, sort of stories and ideas you really do need to think a lot about. And I, and I do think conversation is just the best brainstormer. So, uh, I'm a big fan of, I think for a lot of this, like, you know, me and my friend or me and my partner just kind of sat down and had, had a bit of a chat. Um, and, and the, and other people can often bring out these great stories, um, that you were involved in that they remember you talking about. So your family who you come home and, you know, debrief with every night, probably have a great idea of a great kind of um, 
repository of, of some of these stories. So I think that mm. that's really good. So don't underestimate yourself. I think, you know, and again, I think one of the points I was trying to say was um, it can be a bit fluid with some of these, some of these definitions. So leadership doesn't necessarily mean you were a leader. Right. You can show leadership in a code mm-hmm. when you were the team leader. Mm-hmm. That's a bit direct. Mm-hmm. You can show leadership by the time you worked with all the allied health staff on your ward job and managed to get a patient home to, mm. um, you know, ho- home to their own house as opposed to getting them to the retirement home. Yeah, that's right. You can show leadership in a lot of ways and it doesn't necessarily have to be this hierarchical. Yeah, that's right. Uh, what's the word? Um, I, I was actually just talking about this thing, how I was doing an orthopedic job and it seemed like I was told the most important task on my orthopedic job was making sure the x-rays were there for the meeting. They love the x-rays. Uh, yeah, they love the x-rays. And it wasn't, you know, it was a time before EMR, yeah. any kind of digital records. So I remember this time when I had, uh, the, the the patient had taken home the x-rays yeah. uh, to all of them. We didn't have any copies. And I moved heaven and earth like to get uh, a, courier, a courier from the patient's hometown, which was, you know, another town across but a very small town to have it delivered by the evening so it'd be ready for the morning uh and i'm just thinking of this now but that was like (laughs) that's a a level of i guess you could call it leadership but logistics and organization that um i didn't think i was meant to be able to you know as a a doctor like why why is that my job (laughs) how much do you love emr yeah i mean (laughs) so so much (laughs) I, i can't imagine the hours i spent on that now would be just a press of a button yeah yeah, that or, job that or a call that, to a clinic going, can you fax this through? Yeah, that's right. That's or even just actually, you know what? Just take an iPhone yeah. screenshot <laughs> of that. Yeah. It's so easy. Yeah. Um, so yes. So if you can't think of specific examples, think about um, yeah, more kind of uh, what's what, what's what I'm looking for? A more fluid definition of the word, and then mm-hmm. think laterally. Um, so why don't we uh, maybe talk a bit more detail about one of these? So actually, yeah, yeah, certainly. No, I think one of the trickiest ones it's like the question about what are your weaknesses mm. um you know when, when's the time you criticize like how do you how do you approach that that's clearly a tricky question yeah because you kind of now it's it's like, it's like that paradoxical question by answering this question you'll show that you're not appropriate for the job yeah, yeah, yeah. if you're being honest <laughs> so yeah how did you approach that so i think with these questions so tell me you criticize tell me something you're bad at tell me when you fail tell me what are your weaknesses I think it I think it's important to be honest. Um so the days of getting by by saying my worst quality is that I work too hard um or that I care too much. Um you know they, they kind of worked in med school. They really they really don't I think do justice here. Did they even work in med school? Who knows. <laughs> Um, yeah. So what's the point of these questions? So the point of these questions is to show introspection and mm-hmm. reflection and self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And that's all it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not perfect. You're not infallible. You're going to make mistakes and they know that and they don't care. Mm-hmm. Right? Essentially. So what they want to know is, do you are you someone who thinks about their growth and their improvement and their progression and how mm-hmm. they respond to that and they're aware of it? Um, or are you someone who kind of just floats by yeah. and just thinks they failed or get really depressed or thinks they failed and kind of just, you know, things not, doesn't, doesn't improve on it. So with these questions, what I do is I try to be really genuine. So I, I think I talked about screwing up a intubation with, yeah. um, with, uh, one of, with a consultant who was one of my mentors and, and it was a really stupid 
in retrospect, it was just such a small problem. It was mm-hmm. me missing a tube as a quick care resident. It was one of many. Yeah. But I think by what I really talked about, that was how I reflected, how I debriefed, mm-hmm. and then what I changed and what I implemented and how, I, how that in, led to me keeping a logbook mm-hmm. and how that led to me documenting um, all the incremental uh, like feedback that I got about my mm-hmm. intubation technique. So that then became a fantastic example of how I mm-hmm. corrected what I saw as a deficiency. Yeah. And that's good because, you know, if you essentially follow the SCAR approach, mm. you always have to go, you know, the action you took, result and reflection. Yeah. Because that, that is inbuilt in that SCAR approach that you have to now take action to remedy the problem that you're aware of and you've got a result. Hopefully it's turned out all right or it's yeah. improved and you're reflecting on how, how this could potentially be something you do now. You, know, you logbook everything. You see your improvement and your strike rates in outline CVCs and whatever else you're doing. Exactly, so, yeah. yeah. And, th- and that's what they really want to see. So um, I think don't worry about uh, saying say, seeming weak or seem, seeming not good. I think don't say anything that's, that's yeah, like a there, fundamental flaw. Is there anything that's you can't say as a weakness. <laughs> so um, you can't say that you're homicidal and you're a sociopath. Yeah. That's probably the wrong thing <laughs> to say. It's probably not going to get you any points. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say, uh, you know, I think um, I find anesthetics really boring. I wouldn't say I don't really care about patients. I think all those things are red flags. And, mm. um, you know, if that is the case, I would really encourage you have a chat to a mentor and have a conversation yeah. about whether this is something you want to do. It was at the end of this, you know, we, we are talking about the interview but just remember, you know, you, you, fundamentally, you, you should know if you're suited for the job, that you want to discover whether you're suited for the job. And the best way you can do that is to talk to you know, mentors and mm. all the other people doing it. So you don't end up having to lie to get a job that you're not just completely ill-suited for. Exactly. Because trust me, this is not a job you want to, <laughs> at the end of the line, go, oh, you know what, I just can't handle this part of it. Yeah. It's a deal breaker. And you didn't know, and now you're. It's you know, it's sunk cost fallacy. Yeah. You're already heavily invested, and it, it's very difficult to throw in the towel and do another career yeah. at the wrong time. And, and there are a lot of people I think who do who are now transitioning to anesthesia from other competitive specialties when they don't get on. And I think I, I think the issue is a lot of people do see us quite relaxed and sitting down and chatting and going for coffee breaks. And I think there is a perception that mm-hmm. our job is easy, mm-hmm. um, but I think when you've had kind of uh, you know, a, a lot of the challenging situations that we are faced with, whether it's kind of a, um, a clinical deterioration in theater or mm-hmm. a code or, you know, uh, or trauma, you kind of just do realize like it, yeah. it, it's, it's actually a really yeah. tough job for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. Um, I think we have a very supportive culture and, and a very supportive profession, which allows us to kind of give each other breaks and take days off when we've had mm. challenging times. Um, but I, I've had a couple of friends who've tried to transition over from other specialties because they thought it was easy and they just, yeah. Just thought it was horrible. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we've talked about the training program, but there's there's plenty of there's plenty of difficulty. There's plenty of struggle. Yeah, uh, anyway, we, we digress. Um, what were we talking about? Yeah. So, is there any question, or is there any, any yeah. weakness, or uh, time you criticize that would be a deal breaker? <laughs> um, I think we pretty much covered. covered so, those. Yeah. So I think we, I think anything really concerning. So red flags, uh, and potentially even if you say I have a real problem with. Um. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to see if anything's a genuine deal. Like, if you're saying I can't be on time, might kind of raise a few eyebrows. Mm, okay. I, I'm very. I'm very not punctual. Yeah, uh, right. You can't. I think if you said again, these. I don't think they're deal breakers. Yeah. Like, I find you know to to generally understand that you find it difficult to be punctual and and now you set your alarm five minutes earlier yeah, yeah. that's that's what well, you have you the time went five minutes earlier try two hours earlier yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah i think there's a lot of 
you know, there's there's a lot of genuine weaknesses that a lot of people have that it's very amenable to good, exactly uh, diary doing and uh, timing and uh, sh- scheduling and yeah, yeah. everything your iPhone or, or your Samsung can do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you guys out there can think of something that would be deal breakers that it's not coming to us. But um, I think if you're honest and you're and you show reflection and introspection and a, and, a, and a passion to improve and a drive to improve, I, I think yeah. most things are fine. So what we might do, um, so we'll probably wrap this one up. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, at the end of talking about all, all the different kinds of questions, we'll definitely go through examples of, you know, exams, uh, uh, people actually being examined or interviewed mm. uh, just to, you know, just to see and comment on how the answers come out and yeah. how we felt. And again, we're not coming from a place of ex- expertise as well. Mm. Uh, I think a lot of them, like, you know, it's not, it's not exactly like there's a professional qualification for being an interviewer and every place you go to may have a different set of categories or requirements mm. and criteria. So really, you know, it's not something you can stringently prepare for in any specific way, but hopefully we can give some interesting tips and, and yeah, just some, and have people answer some interesting questions as well. Yeah. And ideas on, I think where to improve. And, um, if you do want to generally become better, yeah, hopefully we're giving you some ideas on a direction and a trajectory as opposed to an endpoint. Yeah. sounds good. That's deep. <laughs> That's right. Okay. So, uh, next, next few episodes, we'll go through the leadership team of communication. We've probably done, mm. uh, personal attributes, professional and college issues, as well as clinical questions and lateral thinking questions are outside the box questions. So yeah, thank you very much for watching and listening. I'm Hiro. I'm Kaz. And we'll see you next time. Thanks.